I want to talk this morning not about baptism in water, but I want to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I want to teach you this morning that is distinct and different from baptism in water. Show you some scriptures. I want to start off of actually what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is and then go back and show you even where it came from. So we're going to start off in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Give me an amen if you're there. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, and they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a, a, a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now I want you to look back at 3 and 4 again and underline something in your Bibles as it says, they were... Um, appeared to them divided tongues of fire and one sat upon that's a key word when you begin to talk about the baptism of the holy spirit that it came upon them okay back in john 20 when jesus first sees his disciples after his resurrection he he speaks to them and the bible says that he breathes into them okay he breathes into them now, some people erroneously would say that that is where the, the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. But that's not the case. And what happens there that really shows us something important and distinct is that when he breathed into them, he was basically going all the way back to Genesis. If you remember when we were created, God breathed into Adam. He breathed life into Adam. And so now we're in the new covenant, and Jesus Christ has become sin for us and jesus christ has defeated death and resurrected and now he breathes the spirit of god of life into his disciples to start the new church and there it begins to go forward from there but when he breathed into them that was not the baptism of the holy spirit that was not the infilling of the holy spirit but that does take place in our lives when we accept jesus christ the life of jesus comes into us how many see that? That when we accept Jesus at an altar like last night or at a service or in the car or someone's house or wherever we get saved, at that moment, God's life and the spirit of his life comes into us. But you got, kind of need to look at it like a, 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 a horizontal coming in. It's this way. He's, he breathes into us. Jesus was looking at them eye to eye and he breathed life into them. But this scripture says that the spirit came upon them i mean know when something comes upon you you can picture it coming down on you amen and so this is beginning to show us the distinction i want to make a statement this morning that we have a, a great divide in the world today the church world on the baptism of the holy spirit and many people uh say many different things about it but i want to teach you what the bible says about it and get you to understand that we have a stance on what the Bible says, and many people take things and change things and, 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 and uh, twist things, and today there's a, a humongous amount of people, sadly, uh, that do not believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for 2016. They believe it was only for the time when Jesus Christ was on the earth sending his disciples out and when he left and ascended into heaven, but the Bible doesn't tell us that, and I'm going to show you that this morning. But I want you to understand that when we begin to hear the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or you even hear the word tongues, sometimes you hear the word tongues, that throws people off. 
Because a lot of people say, oh, that's that tongue speaking church. That's that tongue church. Oh, they speak in tongues over there. And they make it out to like the fact that people who speak in tongues are weird when it's in the Bible. I don't, so to me, people don't, don't speak in tongues are weird. Because it doesn't say don't speak in tongues in the Bible. Come on and smile at me, amen? I'm just joking. I'm not saying you're weird if you don't speak in tongues. It's a joke. But they shouldn't look at people who speak in tongues weird because the Bible says that. And I'm going to show you that in a second. But you see there that the Spirit of God uh, came upon them. And then in verse 4 it says that some of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Who were filled? Underline that. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now I'll give you the answer in a minute, a little bit of why. Why we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why do I need to speak in tongues? And someone would say, do I have to speak in tongues? And we say, no, you don't have to. You get to. It's like tithing. Do I have to tithe? No, I get to tithe. Do I have to pray? No, I get to pray. Do I have to come to church? No, I get to come to church. Can you say amen? Don't look at it like what I have to do. Look at it like what I get to do. Because it's a privilege to have all the benefits of the Lord. So let's go back in the Old Testament to Ezekiel 36. And I was thinking, I've mentioned this verse many times in the last few weeks. And as I was praying for this morning about preaching about this, the Lord reminded me of of this verse we've been reading in Ezekiel 36. And and it shows that, 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 again, just like the resurrection was not some kind of afterthought, to Jesus or Jesus coming down from heaven was some kind of like oh let's try this now it was always planned and so was the baptism of the Holy Spirit and so was the power of the Holy Spirit it was always a plan it was never an accident it was never something that wasn't supposed to happen this was a plan and the Spirit of God has always always been with us but there's a difference between how we have the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and how we have the Holy Spirit in the New. And so Ezekiel 36, we're going to read a couple verses we've read, again, three or four times in the last few weeks in different messages. And it says in verse 26, I will give you, now remember Ezekiel and Isaiah and Jeremiah, they're speaking to that time, but they're speaking forward to a future time as well. It's a prophetic, they're called prophets. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. Amen. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And look at verse 27. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. So we see right here in the Old Testament that the Spirit coming down and filling us and, and, and giving us a, a power is something that's been around for thousands of years and it's something we've needed. And then we go over to the book of Joel. If you'll just take your Bible, especially new people, right where you're at, and in your Bible, just turn the pages a little bit to the left, just for a few, few seconds, you're going to get to Joel. Don't close it and try to find something. You'll be lost if you do that. Joel's just a few uh, pages over from Ezekiel. You're going to go through Daniel and Hosea, and then you're going to get to Ezekiel. I see people with arms crossed. Not, look, come on, let's look at our Bibles. Come on, get your Bibles out. Look, let's make sure I'm saying what I'm saying here. Wake up. I know it's raining outside, but let's, 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 we're here to hear the Word of God, right? All right. Let's look at it with me. Amen. 
Bring your Bibles to church. Take notes. Nobody in here knows everything. I sure don't. I learn something every time I preach. I'm learning something right now. You there? Joel chapter 2, verse 28. This is, this is the prophetic again. Now a minor prophet saying, and it shall come to pass. Now that means at that moment it has not happened yet. It shall come to pass. Amen? It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And on my men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. He's prophesying to a future event where it's not going to be status quo, but the spirit of God is going to fall in a way it's never fallen before. And I have great news for you this morning. We are at that moment today we are that moment today where God will pour out his spirit on all flesh now we go back to the book of Acts if you would that should be easy to find you were there in the beginning I love when new believers and people who are new in the Lord are, are have a Bible and they're trying to find I love it when they're searching around and they can't figure it out within the beginning of the Bible all these books are right there to help you know what page it is amen unfortunately you don't have the same Bible as me or you'd be on page 1493 but everybody's Bibles are different. But that might give you an idea to get in the right area. And actually, I need you to go to Luke, which is just a few chapters before. I forgot this. One of the most key verses in the Bible on the baptism of the Holy Spirit is this, Luke 24. Okay, so how many are with me? We've seen in the Old Testament that uh, the Spirit is there. We've seen already in the book of Acts that the Spirit of God fell on them and filled them, and they all spoke in tongues. But we're seeing the buildup of why and where this came from and how this happened. And, and then now we're going to see, we're going to go back another step before they got that, the how and why. How many know we need to know the how and the why? When we come to church, listen, we, we, have, we have stuff on our website. We have, we have uh, information. We have books that we give out at the beginning of services, or sorry, at the end of service when people get saved, that tells you what to do for the first month. We have things that tell you what to do, um, how, how, not what to do, how to do, why we do what we do, why we lift our hands, why we worship, why we pray, why we clap, why we do all these things. They're not things that we do because other people did them. We do them because they're in the Bible. And the Bible tells us to do those things. And as pastor said at the offering, we're just being obedient. I want to be obedient to everything that God says in his word. Amen? And so we begin to learn how to do these things. And you know what? Let me make a statement. A lot of the things that God asks us to do in his word are contrary to your flesh. They're contrary to your flesh. Clapping, raising your hands, paying your tithes, praying... Those are not things that you do normally, amen? Although, like I always say, it's funny how at baseball games, uh, me and Kristen were at a baseball game the other day, and about two aisles away, a guy was acting an absolute fool. I mean, he was, he was up screaming, and then other guys around, and girls were making noises, and he's clapping, he's, and I think he had some alcohol in him, but it helped him. But he's acting a fool, and I told Kristen, I said, I would love to see what that dude would do in church. He'd probably be like this in church. Wouldn't raise his hand, wouldn't lift his voice, wouldn't do nothing, but he can act a crazy fool at a baseball game, right? So obedience tells us, why am I talking about this? Because the baptism of the Holy Spirit is against our flesh. 
Our flesh doesn't want to speak in tongues. Our flesh doesn't want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This flesh does not want the Spirit in it. This flesh wants flesh in it. The Bible says we war against flesh and blood. The Bible says flesh fights spirit, spirit fights flesh. That Paul said, I don't do what I want to do, and the things I want to do, those I don't do, because why? There's a battle between the flesh and the spirit. So this, I won't talk about this this morning, but I'll mention it. One of the reasons he baptizes in the Holy Spirit when we speak in tongues is because it's a foul thing. I'm not talking about the breath. Amen? I'm talking about the tongue. I'm talking about the fact that it, it, it curses and it cusses and it, it, it gossips and it says mean things and it says bad and, and, it, and, it, and it lies and does all these things and that thing needs to be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. That's why we, we speak in tongues. That's why God said, I need, he didn't see it say that you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and your hands will shake. You need baptized in the Holy Spirit and you'll fall out. You be baptized in the Holy Spirit and you'll dance. He said you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit and you will speak with other tongues. Why? Because it sanctifies that foul thing that James says, who can control? Who can control? Y'all with me? So we obey, we do these things because we say, okay, let's see what the Bible says about baptism of the Holy Spirit. So now let's look what Jesus says in Luke 24. I just believe if Jesus says something, it's got to be pretty important. I still believe that. Luke 24, 47. Here's the gospel again. And that repentance, back up one verse. He's with his disciples now. He's about to ascend into heaven. And he says it's written, verse 46, and is necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. And he says, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Now watch this. And you are witnesses of these things. Now, not us, because we weren't there. We didn't see it. He's talking to his disciples. And he says, behold, I will send the, what? Promise. Okay, you, some of you don't know what the promise is. You're going to know in a second. He says, I will send the promise of my Father into you. Huh? Upon you. See the key word again there? It's different from when Jesus breathed into them. He says, I will send the Holy Spirit upon you. Now realize he's talking to the same people that he breathed into. Y'all hear? Right? So if he breathed into them, that was not the same thing of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why would he do it again? Why would he say, I want you to go get this if they already had it? He breathed into them what? Life. He breathed into them a new beginning. He breathed into them the Spirit, but he did not baptize them in the Holy Spirit. He says, go, and I'm going to send the promise of my Father upon you. He says, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem till you are, and look at this, endued with power from on high. Endued with power from on high. Amen? Now, let's go back over to the book of Acts again, chapter 2. And I want to have you write a couple things down of why we need the baptism in the Holy Spirit this morning. And I'm, I, I don't know everybody who does or doesn't have it, but I, I, you know what I want? I want, I, I want and desire that every single person in our church would be baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, and have the power of that in your prayer life. That's my desire. I can't desire it for you. If you don't have it or don't want it, that's you. But I'm telling you, it's one of those things that you, I could give the microphone around this morning to some people who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they would say, I don't know how I lived without it. 
I don't know how I lived without it. I don't know how I survived. I don't know how I, I made it. But until you don't, and when you don't have it, you don't know what you're missing. And it's, it's not a salvation thing. It's not going to keep you from heaven. You don't have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to, go to, to be saved and go to heaven. But let me tell you something. It makes a life a lot easier. And it helps you be, beat some temptations that would be very difficult without. And I want to give you some benefits. Number one, if you'll write these down, four things. I could give you many, but I chose four. Four things that, the, that are benefits of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number one is you're going to have God's guidance. Okay, God's guidance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave another thing in a second for last, but I want to give you that one first. God's guidance. Does anybody in here need God's guidance? Guidance, amen? Every decision, every step. Now, we're not talking about God's guidance to brush your teeth. Okay, we're not saying I need the Holy Spirit to guide me to tell me when to brush my teeth or when to go to the bathroom or to turn left or right. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about spiritual things. I'm talking about things that are important. Amen. Those are important, but they should be done anyways. Amen. I'm not talking about brushing your teeth. I'm talking about guidance to make godly decisions. Guidance to, to be used by God to the full capacity of my life. John 16, 13 says this, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes... Now, Jesus' words, again, is saying, when he comes. So, in English, how many know that means he's not here yet? Okay, so if he say, he didn't say, when he comes again, he says, when he comes, that means it's a future event from that moment when Jesus is speaking. He says, when he comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Sometimes we say, I want the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. The Holy Spirit will give you that guidance. He will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. Do you realize that we have a Holy Spirit this morning that can tell us things that are going to come? That he can tell us something that's on the way. I'm not talking about the rapture. I'm not, I'm talking about intimate things. I'm talking about, I'm talking about, I'm talking about someone told me last night getting a verse from somebody that is absolutely what they're going through in their life. And there's absolutely no way that that person could know they're going through that. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, they get spoken a word. Has anybody ever had that happen to you? A word spoken to you that changed your life by the power of the Holy Spirit? And, and someone might say, well, how did that happen? I don't understand. It's called the Holy Spirit. Things that can be said about you that there's no way anybody can say. Amen? Number two, an enhanced prayer life. A better prayer life. A more powerful prayer life. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit working in your life, you have an enhanced prayer life. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray. How many know we don't know what to pray sometimes? Anybody ever been there? I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to say. But the Bible says the Holy Spirit will help us in that weakness. And it says we don't know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us. 
Okay, the Spirit himself. Now, here's an interesting thing about Romans 8, 26 and 27. This is after Acts. This is after the book of Acts. It says this, now if we'd have just stopped there, that would have been like, okay, the Spirit, that's kind of just out there, and you know, just kind of hear his voice. We're not talking about the indwelling. We're not talking about the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon us. It'd be something different there. But watch what the next part says. Let me read that again. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. That means it's something inside of us. It's not something coming from out like we're just hearing a voice. Now the baptism of the Holy Spirit has come in our life. It is in us, as Ezekiel 36 said. That Spirit is in us. And now it's groaning within us. And it's something that we can't understand. But our Spirit, watch, no, is speaking for us. It says, now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So when you are praying in the Spirit, if you ever heard somebody say, pray in the Spirit, you can't pray in the Spirit if you haven't been baptized in the Spirit. You have to have that power in your life. You can pray, and you can pray with the Spirit. Spirit will be there. But it's not the same as having the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking tongues and knowing that I have received from God something different than just the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The devil fights this. He fights it. And he's fought it so hard. Listen, I'm reading a book right now, a powerful book about revivals. And it mentions all the stories of the revivals from the 1700s until now. And I can't wait to get done with it so I can share some stuff with you guys. Because I, you, if anybody knows me, you know I want to see a revival. I'm not talking about having a revival from Sunday to Wednesday. I'm talking about seeing a revival. Amen. I'm talking about seeing the lame walk, the blind see, the dead rise. I'm talking about seeing something that, that is supernatural. We've seen bits and pieces. I've seen things over the years. But I've never been able to say I've been part of something yet that I know God has promised me. And every time you see a revival in the old times, you always see two things. You see repentance and you see the power of the Holy Spirit moving. Amen. You see stuff manifesting in a way that only God gets the glory for. So number one, you get guidance. Number two, you get an enhanced prayer life. And the last two are really, really important for us today in our daily walks. I want you to go over to back to the Acts where we were before I give them to you. And I want to show you something important here because, okay, how many are with me that Jesus, how many are with me that Ezekiel said we were going to get it, Joel said we were going to get it, Jesus said we were going to get it, and the book of Acts, they got it. How many are with me so far? Now, a lot of people stay off there and they say that's where it ended. I don't know where it comes from or how it happens, but there's a, a teaching that says that it died with the apostles. You got to show me that in the scriptures and I'll believe it. It doesn't say it. It doesn't say it was for them only. Because Jesus said that greater works would we do than he did. And Joel says in the last days, he'll pour out his spirit upon all flesh in a way he's never poured it out before. And that, was, that hasn't happened yet in the fullness of what it's going to happen. It wasn't for that day. It's been 2,000 years since Jesus left the earth. And, and the spirit has moved, but not in the way that God says. Not in the way he says in his word. So you're with me. Ezekiel said it. Joel said it. Jesus said it. Acts had it. 
And then what happens? Is it for us? Is that power for us today? Wouldn't it be kind of crazy that God would give that to the Acts, the book of Acts church, and not give it to us? Wouldn't it be kind of crazy that he would give something to them that they had already seen? They'd seen Jesus. They physically saw him. Wouldn't it be crazy to give them the power of the Holy Spirit to witness and then not give it to us? Why would he do that? When we're the ones that have to carry the torch. When we're the ones that have to believe when we haven't seen Jesus Christ. We need him today more than we ever have. But listen what the devil's doing. He's raising up churches all over the world that don't want to have anything to do. They don't say not going to come out and say it. But they don't want to have anything to do with the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit begins to move, it shakes some things up. And one of the things it really shakes up is flesh. Flesh fights the Spirit. Flesh hates the things of the Spirit. And it tries to what the Bible says, quench. Quench the Spirit. Can you imagine right now being refreshed by water and drinking some great water? You're super thirsty and you're under a water fountain or you're under a sink or whatever and you're getting water and you're refreshing yourself. Someone turned that thing off. And you are not, you just started drinking be mad right that's quenching the spirit the flesh wants to quench the spirit and a lot of times the reason churches don't talk about the baptism of the holy spirit they don't talk about healing or they don't talk about any of those things that the bible tells us to talk about is because it's not politically correct because it, it, it can turn people off. And, and people think, well, I, you know, I don't know about all that, that noise. I don't know about all them tongues. I don't know about all those things. Well, you got to take that up with God. Because he's the one who said it. I didn't say it. I'm just following it. Now, like I've always said, there's abuse to everything. And there are churches who abuse the Holy Spirit. And there are churches who do things in the flesh. But I want you to know that if things are done right and done in order, the Holy Spirit can powerfully move in a church and it can be done in order without any disorder, without any problems, without any flesh happening if we allow the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit wants to do. But we have to let him come in. I'm telling you the Holy Spirit could walk into some churches and they wouldn't know he was there. Or they might kick him out. You're not. We sing, welcome into this place they'll be like you're not welcome in this place right they might not sing it but they're thinking it with the way they're teaching how many want more of the holy spirit in your life ezekiel said it joel said it jesus said it acts had it now watch what happens when they when they get let's pick up in four where we read that again they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance now watch, just read on with me for a minute here. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, verse 5. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. You've got to realize there were people there from all over at what that was that time, the world. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not these those who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born and he goes on to mention, I don't want to take the time to mention all those countries right now. Go to, down to 11. And, and we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful words of God. How many want to speak the wonderful words of God? And they were all amazed, verse 12, and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? What could this mean? What is this? See, that's what the world will say. What is this? Why? What is this tongue stuff? You might ask that. 
Others said, man, they're full of wine. They're drunk. They're drunk. They're, they're acting drunk. They're acting crazy. Peter stands up and he hears them. He says, let me give you an answer. He says, men of Judea, verse 14, and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. These are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day, meaning 9 a.m. in the morning. These are not drunk, although we know some people can get drunk at 9 a.m. in the morning. Right? You know you got a major drinking problem. You got a beer at 9. I mean major, amen? I'm not in three or two or three in the morning might be a little normal for society, but if you got one at 9 instead of coffee, I mean you got a drinking problem. He says, they're not drunk, as you suppose. But watch what he says, verse 16. This is what was spoken by who? By the prophet Joel. Ezekiel said it, and then Joel prophesied it, and Peter says, this is that that was prophesied. This is it. It's happening right now. It was prophesied. It's happening right now. This is it. Doesn't mean it was it conclusion. It means this is the beginning. And what happened was the church age was born. The church age that at this moment we still belong to. And we are, I believe, and I believe you do too, we are the last generation, biblically, of this church age. Amen. I'm not going to get in this message to what's to come. We've had lots of teaching on that, and it would, take, it would sidetrack me anyways. Amen. But he says, this is that, and he reads again what we read. I don't have to read it again. In Joel, word for word, that it will come to pass, the poor spirit out on all flesh. And they hear these words. And guess what happens when they hear these words? Let's go down to verse 37. He says, when they heard this, this is why we need the power of the Holy Spirit. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. How many know we need preaching and testimonies and words in our mouths that cut people to the heart? Not our words, not what we want. Yeah, not what we want to say, but what we say cuts them to the heart. Not in a mean or bad way, in a way that says, man, I got to make a decision. Ooh. And at that moment, some are going to make the wrong decision. We know that. But something that cuts them to the heart and causes them to say, I've got to change. I've got to get saved. Something's not right in my life. And if you begin to think back to the time and the moment that you gave that decision for Christ, your life to Christ, that happened. You were cut to the heart. If it was a real conversion experience, something happened. And you said, man, I've got to change today. Today, I've got to change. They were cut to the heart. Now watch, this is the key. It was for Ezekiel, it was for Joel, it was for uh, Jesus, Jesus said it was in the book of Acts, he, he fulfilled it, it came, how do we know it's for us? Watch what the scriptures say right here, verse 38, then Peter, after they said, what do we do, said, repent and let every one of you be baptized, now watch this, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Now let me clarify something else real quick too. You're going to have people that say, why do we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and not in the name of Jesus? We have people come and say, you're going to baptize me in the name of Jesus? And I say, no, we're going to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Why does it say here that you've got to be baptized? Why does it say you'll be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? The reason is, is because John the Baptist was baptizing people before Jesus came to the earth or for, before he started his ministry and so he was dif differentiating now the baptism of John in water to now the faith in Jesus Christ 
And then we know that the, the, that the Great Commission says, go and teach them in Matthew 28, all that I've taught you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that was, that was free. That wasn't even in the message, amen? But that was a good teaching moment. So, he says, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And he says, and, say and with me. And means more than what's been talked about. And means mas. Okay? And, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And you shall receive. So it's different. And I have many other scriptures I probably won't get into today for that. But it's different than the baptism in water. It's a different experience than what comes into us when we receive Jesus Christ. Now, here's how it's for us. Watch this. For the promise, how many have heard that word a couple times today? For the promise, back in Luke 24, he said the promise will come. What's the promise? The Holy Spirit is to you until your children die. And when your children die, it's dead. And the church in 2016 will not have this spirit upon them because it will die with you guys. That must be what it says in some people's Bibles that teach that it's not for us today. Because what it says is the promise is to you and to your children and to some of the people that will live for the next 2,000 years. What does that word all mean? Does that mean the same as for God so loved the world that whosoever? Does whosoever and all mean the same thing? That means everybody, right? All means all. Everybody means everybody. Whosoever means everybody. He says, and it's to all who are far off. And here's the only requirement. Jesus is not going to, the Holy Spirit is not going to baptize people in the Holy Spirit that don't want it. Or don't believe in Jesus. He says, here's what you got to do to get it. He says, all as many as the Lord our God will call. So he calls and we answer. Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Amen. Now this morning, I'm not going to go into what a lot of times I go into, which is showing you some more chapters in the book of Acts where it shows that tongues is always evident when people get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And to show you also that in these moments in Acts, it begins to show that it's very distinct from the just believing and even just to mention it in Acts 19, if you want to write that down and look at it later, it's very powerful. Paul actually goes to a new place, new city, far away. You know they walked and didn't drive. And when he got there, he met some disciples the word of God was going. The word of God was flying and, flow, and going, flowing out. And it got the, to them and they received Jesus Christ and were probably baptized in water. Matter of fact, they were. But Paul gets to them and he says this question. And I want to ask this question to you this morning. He says immediately, he didn't even say, hey, how you doing? Not that he might not have, but didn't say it in the scriptures. He says, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? That was Paul's first words. He didn't ask him anything else. He said, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit since you believed? 
How many know that's got to be pretty important if that was the first thing he asked them? And guess what they said? What a lot of people in a lot of churches today would say. We haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. I don't even, we haven't heard about that. Why? Because if it's not preached, you can't believe in it. We haven't even heard of it. We don't know. What is it? And Paul says, I'm glad you asked. And he tells them. And they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says they speak in tongues. So it's for us. It's for everybody who wants it and believes in it and knows the importance of it. The third thing it gives us is boldness to witness. Boldness to witness. If you'll, you're there in Acts chapter 2, just go to the left one, one page over here to Acts chapter 1. How many give me just a couple more minutes here? Acts chapter 1. If you don't, too bad. You're stuck. Acts chapter 1. Amen. Give me an amen when you're there. You shouldn't be too far away. Watch what happens here. Verse 4. And being assembled together with them, this is exactly the same thing that happens in Luke 24. Okay, same thing. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the what? What's the promise? Holy Spirit. We've seen that several times. Of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Now watch it. Here's the distinction. John truly baptized with what? Water. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So how many see very clearly there's a baptism in water and there's a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Okay, it's very clear right there. You can't be any more clear than that that there's a distinction between the two. And he says, therefore, when they had come together, they asked and said, Lord, when will you restore the time of Israel? They're, they're, you know, they're like they were a lot of times there as disciples. They were somewhere else. <laughs> they were thinking somewhere else. And Jesus had to say, hey, come back. Come here, come here. Come back. We're not talking about the future. We're talking about right now. I'm not talking about when I'm, I'm come here. Shh, focus. Hey, hey, hey. He had to get them back in again. They're asking them some other questions. They're going somewhere else. He says, he says verse 7, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but, getting back to what I was talking about, he says, you shall receive, and this is the fourth one, power. Power. Do you know we have a world that loves power? We have a world that looks for power. I believe we have, you know when he says that, that that spirit would fall on the young generation, have you heard Chris Clock say before that he always sees the young people seeing the move of God as well? You know why? Because young people want power. And, and, and power draws young people. There's just something about power. There's something about, man, I, I want power. And you know what? We have a generation of people looking for a cause to live for. They're looking for a cause. And today, I can tell you, I don't have the stats before me today, recent in 2016, but I can tell you that all over the world, people are getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God is moving like it's never moved before, amen? And even, even people who have not taught it and taught against it, God is sending His Spirit down and people are being baptized in denominations that I don't need to mention that preach against it. He's fallen on them. He's fallen on them and people are getting saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and with the power to witness. Now finish with me. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come into you. What does it say? How does it come down? 
upon you. How many have seen that word? Several times already. And he says, and this is the third one I mentioned, he, you shall be witnesses. So a benefit and a need of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that it helps you witness. If you're here this morning and you say, I want to be a better witness, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm preaching this way so that hopefully you will want it and desire it like you would want a glass of water if you were thirsty. You want it. You desire it. You, you say, man, God, I want, I want an enhanced prayer life. I want a, a, a God's guidance. I want power. I want boldness. I want those things you're talking about. Well, guess what? You can have them because they're free. They're a gift. Gifts don't cost anything. And I want to share a story as I close. Very powerful story. Just an example. Write down Mark 16, which is another verse that tells us that the baptism and the power of the Holy Spirit is for everybody. Mark 16 says, these are Jesus' last words in the book of Mark. As he's ascending into heaven, he says, verse 16, let's go to, let's go to 15. I want to read this whole thing. I only have one verse written down. But I want you to see it. Mark 16. Give me a shout when you get there. So I'll wait on you. Mark 16, verse 15. Here's the Great Commission. There? Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And, watch this, these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will be by no means hurt them. And of course we have people who are retarded and actually do that sorry for saying that word but they are they do that in church they take snakes and handle them and 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 drink poison and all that stuff and somehow by god's grace they don't all die sometimes they get bit and even in god's grace they do that but they have churches that do that especially over in donnie's land over there in arkansas they do a lot of that crazy stuff that snake handling stuff amen but it, that's not what he's trying to say. He's not saying go to church and handle snakes. He's saying if you happen to run into a snake, remember Paul got bit by a snake, and, it, and he said, ah, and it didn't, didn't kill him. He said, power. Okay, so that's not what he's saying. That's where the abuse comes in. And then he says, and they will lay their hands on the sick, and they will what? Recover. Now, was that for them, or was that for everybody? Who, who's the prerequisite there? All who believe. All who believe. One, one man named William B. Nelson. He was a pastor in the First Baptist Church of Whitman, Massachusetts. And he was called one night, in 1959, in the dead of night, right in the middle of the night, on the telephone back when they actually had the real phones not the cell phones and fumbling for the receiver and the cord answered and heard a voice on the other side identifying herself as a nurse 
at a nearby hospital. There had been a horrible accident, the voice said. We have Carol Vinal here, and her mother gave you as the pastor. You better get here real quick. The doctor doesn't think she's going to live another hour. He said, I'll be right there. Threw his clothes on, sped to the hospital. The doctor had been alerted that he was coming. He got up to the third floor, looked at the elevator clock. It was 3.15 a.m. The nurse said this way. 13-year-old Carol lay in a high-sided bed with absolutely no sign of life. Her mother stood behind, beside the oxygen tent and said, Pastor, it was a head-on collision. She hasn't moved since we got here. Apparently, Carol had been thrown through the windshield. A doctor explained that she had had a brain injury to the shelf of her brain. If she lives, if she lives, which she probably won't, she will probably be a vegetable. Bill looked at Carol and felt that the doctor's guess of an hour was probably overdue. The girl still had her clothes on. Her black sweater was torn and stained, pulled back from her torn and bruised face, was matted with blood, and the emergency stitches holding the cuts together were swollen. And the worst of the injuries, he knew, were not even visible. Deep inside her skull, the bone shelf that had supported her brain was fractured. What damage was there to the brain itself, they did not know. He thought, do I have a right to pray for a physical recovery when there's not even a chance that Carol would be even more than a vegetable? He said, but surely I cannot let her die without praying. Bill approached the girl, placed his hands on the one portion of her body that seemed unhurt, her right arm, took a deep breath and began to pray not with his mind, not with his lips and tongue only, but he began to pray in tongues. He turned the entire prayer over to the Holy Spirit, knowing that only God knew what he could do. Bill prayed in the Spirit for 15 or 20 minutes. And he was, he was praying so hard and so heavy in the Spirit, in tongues, that he literally was not even aware of what was going around on, around, on him, around him in the room anymore. But when he became aware of what was going on in the room, two things were happening inside himself. He felt a warmth flow through his body to that little girl whose arm he was holding in prayer. And he was aware of a strange feeling in his spirit that God was healing this girl. Bill was right. Twelve weeks later, Carol was back in school. Today, years after the accident, the only effects that she has are some fine hair scars on her face and arms. It's true today, just as Bill believed, that the Spirit comes to the aid in our weakness. Amen? It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. Musicians, you can come. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. I have seen in my life many miracles and many transformations and many things happen that could only have happened by the power of the Holy Spirit.